Bullshit. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, CEO and founder of Mass Solutions, the world's only no bullshit marketing firm. And what does that mean? That means that we focus on the art and science of marketing. We focus on strategy and activation. So if you think about the art and science, think of Mad Men, the show, where we had Don Draper and Peggy, and they were creatively coming up with things. That's the art. They were, it was an art-dominated form through the 80s and 90s. Then you think about the show Silicon Valley, and that showed people that were so smart. They were probably too smart for their own good. They always relied on the math or the science, and the show was funny because they were missing obvious relationship ideas and ways to leverage the art. So we focus on the art and science and the strategy and activation. So when you think about the strategy aspect, that's looking at the marketing research, marketing intel, the competitive intel. That's doing uh, the four, five, six segmentation model so that you have some meat behind who your target markets are. And then we move into the big idea advantage where we come up with answering your why, your reason for being, and your customers' why, their reason for buying, all into one big idea tagline. That's supported by the Messaging Pillars program, which are the key messaging pillars that tell your story differently to each target audience at the right channel at the right time. That's what No BS Marketing really is. And what we want to do is in the month of January 2020, we want to give you that x-ray vision of what's going to happen in 2020 from a marketing standpoint. I have Maria Morhefka here. She is a marketing and a content marketing and PR expert on the Mass Solutions team. Our team has been looking at all the trends that we thought could impact our clients and impact our listeners and consumers of the No BS Marketing platform. That started off probably like 50 different trends because there's so much going on. But Maria, we've winnowed it down to four, and I want you to kind of walk through each one, and you and I will jump in and talk about what we both see happening here in 2020. Absolutely. So the four that we're going to cover today, just to give you the synopsis, is video marketing, in mm -hmm. particular vlogging, so video blogging, um, BDE marketing, branding, and then how PR is going to evolve in 2020. So we'll kick things off with video marketing and what do you think the lay of the land is in this year and beyond because we're seeing you know stats from even sprout social they're saying that marketing companies and marketers are increasing their digital video budget by 25 percent year after year so a lot of money is going into this form of marketing there are a lot of reasons why and it's hit the peak where the 2020 year will be the final push to where video is just completely dominant and even more dominant than it is now and will be just second nature for even a small company or someone that's a small uh, podcast or anything of that nature. And there's a number of reasons why. And the first just flat out ties to our laziness. And we as a society just don't want to read. It crushes me because you learn how to uh, reason by reading and you learn how to write by reading. And I can tell some of our younger people on our team in the room with me right now, what? I can tell some of them read and some of them don't read as much, and that affects your writing. So it affects your writing. How you write, you'll misuse a word or something because you haven't read the word. And it helps you reason, too. Now, I'm not going to win this battle. It's over. It was over 20 years ago. But I will say that when I mentor people, I say, if you can suck it up and read, mm -hmm. 
And if you can get some enjoyment out of reading, you're going to stand out because so few people read now. But that's the biggest reason why video is so essential because people just don't want to read. The second thing is it is a better form than just reading because you can hear a voice and see a facial expression and see the activity that they're doing. So common sense would tell you that video is a better form of communication Mm -hmm. than just reading a book or just listening to a podcast. It combines them. So common sense tells you that. You take those two things into account, and then what we as consumers have done is forced it so now the video production doesn't cost hardly as much, and so anyone can do it. So you're seeing more and more people able to use video and the vlogging format that probably seven, eight, ten years ago you started seeing some of the early adopters of that in our field, it was Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. And so about four or five years ago we started dabbling with that and the last two years we've done it I would say quite a bit for a, a firm of our nature. But it's to the point now where I think more and more executives need to leverage vlogging and showcasing the video aspect of just everyday nature. Just even us talking on the podcast, you might as well video us talking on the podcast because it could turn into something. So I think that vlogging will become more and more frequent and more used. And I just think it's just going to continue to happen as more people that are Gen X, early, uh, younger Gen X and older millennials become into positions of authority, you'll see their comfort levels much higher than older Gen X and way, way higher than baby boomers. So you're going to see more and more leaders and more and more professionals doing it. And that's going to really help you to take it to another level. And I think that there's a demand for it because in the current state that we're living, people crave transparency. Yes. So if these companies that have been a little bit more guarded and they don't really let people behind closed doors, this blogging and video is giving people that vantage point that they've never had before and is helping humanize people and humanize corporations that just seemed kind of like off limits to, to consumers. And I think that that's a great point. There's been a fear. So people that are baby boom, baby boomer leaders or even, I guess, mostly baby boomer leaders, because that would be like in your mid fifties and up, uh, they have that exact feeling that you have. And I can remember even 15, 20 years ago, or even when I was at UPMC and Duquesne University, I was pushing for just more and more of a relaxed marketing selling, that not everything had to be perfect and polished. So I I, I take solace in the fact that I was kind of on the early edge of that belief. And then if you were born, you know, from like 1985 on, You've had that aspect. You know, I joke about Marcel, who does video and photography for us. He was kind of born with a camera in his hand. Well, that's his generation. So you're seeing that the boomers have to change and adapt because, and what's hard is when you were from a certain era, when your upbringing was in a certain era, you just can't help it. And you and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll say the line of demarcation is probably about 45 years old right now. But you are used to saying, like, wow, I didn't like that take. Or fix my hair, or this. Oh, no, should I do this shirt? Then, you know, what? What am I going to wear? That's what someone in that generation is not going to ever change. They're not going to be able to. Right. Just as there are things you're doing that Rita is your 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 daughter's going to say, you have to change. Right. It's just the That's fact scary. of generational change. So uh, you're not going to get those people to be more comfortable. But you have to try. Like, that's what I've tried so hard because I'm so used to, you know, when we did produce commercials at UPMC and Duquesne University and some of our early clients in the early aughts, you would shut down a street to shoot a commercial. Right. You know, it was crazy. You would do this stuff and it's perfect. There's still a need for that if you are UPMC. You absolutely still have a need for that incredibly high end. 
but the vast majority of companies can do something that's much quicker and much more authentic and really achieve their goals. Right. So you don't have to be Spielberg to, to get your message across in this day and age. Um, and then the next prediction that we have is the importance of BDE marketing. I know that in the news lately, um, Away, they're the American um, travel luggage brand, lifestyle brand. Their CEO, Steph Corey, um, I think that's how you say it, mm-hmm. has been in a little bit of hot water because there was an article that was published and she was just creating and nurturing basically a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that people are putting that under a microscope now of how do companies treat their employees. So I sure. think that that's something that... All right. So that away, it could be its own podcast because there's so many different things. And I think what we as a society need to move away from is just claiming that anyone is one thing. You're complex. I'm complex. If you just want to pick something negative that I did... You can label me and put me in the shitter box if you want to because right. I'm human and I've done things that aren't awesome. But the reality is we're all pretty complex. When I look at that away story, I say, wow, these two founders had a vision, had a big idea. Then they had the courage to go and do it and try it. But then they had the courage to scale it. Yes. And I can tell you, I don't produce widgets, but I can tell you how hard it is to scale a professional services firm. It's a lot easier to scale products than a professional services firm. But still, you have to have courage to say, I'm going to put more and more money into it. I'm going to sign my house away in case we go under. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So I look at this and say they had a big idea. They had a vision. They were able to have the courage to put it together. They got it to market. They adjusted. They invested more in it. They have a great product. They've grown. So that's all the good stuff about those two. Maybe the company's outgrown the founders. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they don't have... They don't appear to have had maybe as much leadership training. I'm, I don't have enough details. Maybe they both have Harvard MBAs. But their, their leadership maybe is, is the question and their communication. But on the flip side of that, I read some of the things she posted. And, yes, they weren't good. And if I were their PR advisor, I would say, like, here's how we have to handle this. And she said some rude things on Slack or something or in an email. <sighs> I mean – are we going to say she's not allowed to be human? Yes, she was wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not, okay, crazy people that want to label me. No, I'm not saying that what she did was right. I'm just saying that, does that mean that you got to lose your company? And you know, we're in this world where if you say a sentence wrong or if you, you wear something wrong or you do something wrong, you're labeled. And I'm not going to discount those eight things I said that those two founders did that were amazing. Right. That being said, she screwed up, but she did have a real apology. The apology was authentic. I mean, it's it's well-written, and when she delivered it, the, her delivery was good. Mm-hmm. So her apology was good, and then she did exit, and maybe she exited too early. So that one's a tough one for me, that that whole way. When I told you that, I said, yeah. the away one's tough for me. I don't know where to go with it, but um, well, I'll stop and let you respond, then yeah. we'll go into B to E. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think that you're coming at it from – because you understand where she's coming from as a right. leader, that right. you know the weight of the world is basically on your shoulders when yes. you're looking at financials and making sure, of course, like we're saying, it doesn't excuse poor behavior, right. but it's almost like you're you understand yeah. where that could happen. But yes. I think that, like you're saying, you don't excuse it, but you don't want to discount and discredit every other accomplishment yeah. accomplishment she's had in her career. Well, one last point this. on that is, hey, employees out there. You're a jerk at work many times. Trust me. No, I'm kind of lucky. I have a team that the people are legitimately 
treat her with respect. But we're all shitty with each other from time to time. We are. We don't. I don't get up and say I'm gonna be shitty with Maria today. And Maria doesn't go. I'm gonna slam my table today in front of Marcel. But Maria doesn't go. I'm gonna argue with my gaddy today. That's not what you do. But the reality is, all those employees that want to judge everybody, you've been a shithead too. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't get in trouble because you don't have the leadership title. But you've been a shithead too. Right. You've said nasty things too. So you know it's like. Again, I'm not condoning it, and she should have apologized. I don't think she's probably probably don't think she should lose her company over it. Probably needs to get better leadership mm-hmm. around her. And they hired this other person that's going to be co CEOs. Although I don't believe co CEOs work. I think Too someone has someone has to be the top. Someone has to be the ultimate accountability. But I will again. I have mixed bag. I guess I'm sounding like I'm waffling because I read how they lined up the responsibilities, and they put culture with her and the founder. And the things they have under her and the found other her founder match up well. And the new person they brought in has like strategy, financials, logistics, yeah. supply chain. Like so, they actually did divide that really sensibly. Right. So we'll see how that one plays out because it's fairly fresh. I think that change occurred yes. in December, so yes. we'll keep an eye on that one. But your bigger question that I rambled on about is and didn't get to the answer is business to employee communication, business to employee marketing is a trend that has to continue to grow in 2020. And here's why. If you're doing real B2E, business to employee marketing, you're treating your employees the same way you treat every one of your customer segments. You're drilling down your employee database to figure out who is different, how do they match up, how can you group them, how can you segment them. Then you're creating messages in channels that they consume it in. So you're making it about them and saying, this particular segment of my employees will read this way, this one will watch videos that way, and you're putting it on channels and in words and visuals that will relate to them, and you're using repetition so you can reach, influence, and engage. And you're doing it about the vision, you're doing it about the goals and objectives, but you're also doing it about day-to-day things. So when leaders, this ties back to the way, and that's why you had it in there, is when leaders communicate with their employees the same way they communicate with customers, you're going to see less of the time where the leader was a jerk Mm -hmm. because they're thinking in terms of this is B to E. I can't send that email. I wouldn't send that to a customer. So that's the full circle way. And I know that's probably why you put the away in there is that B to E. Marketing BT communications has to be a major trend in 2020. Right. And I think it's also important to note that it's not just another to do on HR's list. Right. And I think that that might be a common misconception. It's like, oh, HR will handle it. You know, they'll send out, you know, an update on the internet. Or HR or, wants to handle it. That's that's probably more common. So how would you go about thwarting that mindset of an HR? Well, what it is, is task. here's what happens. HR and human capital has their line and their sandbox. And then marketing has their sandbox and operations has their sandbox. And if we're truly integrating things at a bigger company, we realize we're working together. And that sounds naive because everyone claims they're working together. But what ends up happening is human capital, human resources is so used to handling all employee engagement, employee communication, that they felt to do what we talked about in another podcast was they felt to understand that go to the expert. You're still handling. You own the employee mindset. You own the employee handbook. You own the employee relationship. You own the employee surveys. You own how employees get their benefits and all of that. But how you communicate that, go to the expert on your team. You have someone in marketing. You have someone in communications who knows how to do that better than you. So the human resources people, human capital people, 
shouldn't be saying, I want to go and do the way this is communicated and saying, we're going to use the old employee newsletter. Well, let marketing blow that up and say, no, no, we're going to do a video about this and we're going to do a podcast about that internally and we're going to do this email newsletter, but we're going to have this in the break room. Let marketing come up and do their thing. And I think what I've found and what I've heard from my counterparts that work on the corporate side is they're battling HR the way they used to have to battle IT. Oh, 20 okay. years ago, there was a battle between marketing and IT because okay. IT was trying to take over and own like website and database stuff, and that's a marketing function. So you have to work together because marketing needs IT to build it and make sure it works and continually honing it and mm-hmm. so forth. But marketing has to understand the data and the trends and get reach the customer in a timely fashion. That was the battle 20 years ago. I right. lived that battle when I was on the corporate side. Now I think the battle is uh, human capital and HR are sometimes battling marketing about BTE. Gotcha. All right. Next trend, branding. So I think to frame this one is Michael Jordan is a prime example. He hasn't played a competitive basketball game since April 16th of 2003. However, in 2019 alone, he made an estimated $130 million just off of his brand. So his brand is alive and well. So that goes to show that brand matters. Mm -hmm. So how do you think and what would you say and encourage people to pay attention to their branding in in this year and especially in years coming? If you think about Michael Jordan's brand, his brand was very clearly about one thing, that he was a elite basketball player who did it in style. Okay. So because of that, that brand was able to be sustained because it's still believable. You still know that he's a great basketball player. I would argue the greatest of all time. So he has that behind him, and then he was willing to take chances early with the Spike Lee commercials and so forth, and he kept it simple. It's really just the shoe, the Nike swoosh, and really simple imagery. What I think happens uh, to people with their brands is there's about three or four things that happen. One is they don't take the time to clearly define it and see how it's defined by others. So they think their brand is this and everybody else thinks their brand is that. So that's the first mistake they make. The second thing is they then try to put too much into it. How many times have I sat with a client that said, we're this, we're this, and we're this, and we're this, and we're this. And I would say to them, you're not all five of those things in the minds of anyone. Right. So you have to simplify. So the first is, They haven't really committed to finding out what it is by asking others. The second is they haven't simplified it. If you do those two things and then you continue to deliver, Mm -hmm. your brand can continue to grow. So the great brands do have that. Starbucks is still the same experience. It's not the exact same experience because you still feel a certain way 20 years later. The same thing with all the biggies, Nike and uh, Google. You you know what you're getting. But even – even when companies we work with, you know what you're getting from Cucavunga Valley Medical Group. Right. You know you're going to be treated like family as a patient. So mm-hmm. they can live by that brand because they live the brand. So their brand will continue to be that way. And I think that's the part. When you haven't done the hard work to figure out what the brand is and you haven't been willing to simplify it, then once it's done, you have to live it. If you start slipping and you don't match up with that, it's over. And this is like what you've said in the past about messaging is the importance of clarity and brevity. So if everything's bold, nothing's bold. Right. So like you're saying, you have to kind of drill down right. what you are and who you are. And I, that's what Michael Jordan's done. That's what Zappos has done. Yes. You know, they're a shoe company. Trader Joe's is kind of getting yeah. on that um, trend as well because it's such a power. Like they're almost cult followings right. where people just 
they are bought into these brands. Yeah. And I think that those points that you just pointed out are what gets people to be in that position as well. I agree. And I think in 2020, it just comes down to the winners are going to continue to keep doing that. The average ones are going to keep being average and the weak ones are going to be weak. And here's what I mean. You can make money in this world a lot of different ways. So there are a lot of people making money that aren't doing marketing, mm-hmm. but they're not in the upper percentile in their market. They aren't. There's Unless you're in a commoditized space, you have to be good at marketing and understanding your customer to be in the elite group. And so that's what's going to happen. If you want to be in that elite group, you have to do what I said, those three things of clearly defining the target audience and finding out what they really think about your brand so you know what they think the brand is, simplifying it so that it can be easily conveyed, and then living up to it. Then the telling everybody about it is easy. Right, because you have it all. The ducks are in line. So the fourth one that we're going to cover is PR. It's going to continue to evolve. And actually, PR Daily, they reported that 92% of consumers say that they trust earned media over purely promotional Mm -hmm. content. So how do you think that it's going to evolve and how should people kind of change their mindset to grow with PR and not push against it? I think that PR is evolving at a fast pace and there's some misperceptions. I think that one of the areas that most people try to jump on is influencer marketing, which is a form of PR. And the problem with influencer marketing for the most part is that there are some real influencers, the real ones. And the real ones have such an influence and such a following that most people can't afford them. So what ends up happening is you keep going down the line, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five, and you have someone that's a a local brewery that has some hip-hop artist from Pittsburgh that's barely known but looks kind of hip and have her holding that beer yeah that is fake influencer you know that's not real influencer so you have to make sure you're cognizant of that and then don't discount the old way of doing PR in the new era and that is going out and talking to outlets where your customers and your target markets go and then finding ways to work together and pitch them and partner with them to showcase your real product in a real way on their medium. And I think that's the best use of earned media as opposed to saying, I'm going to pay $500 for this fake influencer to hold my beer and and go about it that way. And I think that's the the big thing because the old way of doing PR in, in 1800 was still used in 1900 and was still used in 2000 for the most part. And that is, come up with a compelling story that that media outlet finds interesting to reach your audience through that outlet. So that hasn't changed. It's Mm -hmm. just that that's a Twitter person. That's a, instead of it being a newspaper, it's something different now. It's YouTube, whatever, but you have to still use the same tenets of what's your story pitch? Well, first, who do you want to reach? Okay. Where do they get their information from? Okay. What's your unique pitch and your story idea? And then go find out how you can partner with that outlet. And I think another thing to put in there is that it's not just regurgitating facts anymore. It's not just black and white. Okay, we're done. Do something with it. PR professionals are now storytellers in, in, yes. in, in essence because they have there's so much content that out there that we can never consume in a lifetime. Right. So it's breaking those the through the noise that's yeah. on the internet now and getting your story to the people that want to see it. If you want to watch PR in action, and I should actually have our whole team do this, 
take it, try to pull away from your own natural biases and watch a political campaign, any political campaign. We happen to be in the midst of a presidential cycle that's typically now two years, so you're really almost on the whole time for presidency. But if you've ever looked at any presidential campaign, the way they package the story is who typically wins. And when you have muddy messages, that's who typically loses. And so it's the same tenets of what I just said is that you have to say, who am I trying to reach with what message? So if I'm trying to reach women of a certain age with this message, men of a certain age, okay, what's the channel to reach them and what's my message? And I'm amazed at how these high-end, big-time campaigns still have muddy messages. Again, clarity and brevity and just keep driving the point home yes. every day. So those were four solid predictions and trends that I'm excited to see unfold and, and one, ones that maybe nobody thought of yet. You know, there's always that curveball every yes. year of something that came to the surface that no one was expecting. What we'll do is at the end of the year, we, we won't go and tell anybody if we missed the mark on all of these. No, we'll delete this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the No BS Marketing Show recorded in our studios in bold, beautiful downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Remember, ask yourself, what's the big idea? And build your story around the answer. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.